Welcome to Country Country Christian. We tried to start on time, but it doesn't always work out that way. Okay, so I would like to start out with reading uh, a little bit in Deuteronomy and Probably the thing that's kind of got me on this was um, we've talked about this, thought about this a little bit in our men's fellowship, is uh, not having other gods before our Father God, or having idols in our life. There's so many things that we see in our culture today. I don't think it's anything new. They had problems with that back in Israel's day, but... Okay, we're going to read in Deuteronomy 6, uh, 1 through 9, and I'd like you guys to read with me uh, verses verses 4 through 9. We'll read it all together. Uh, Theron will put it on the board when we read it, but I want to read the first uh, four verses uh, on my own here. Now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God and keep, his, keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandsons, grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. So we'll read this together um, as much as we can. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates." There you have it. Thank you very much for reading that with me. So this is something that is like, a, I don't know really what a frontlet is, but it's supposed to be the first, I think of it as like a sticky note everywhere we go. I need the reminder to be mindful of what God has for me this day. It's so easy to get distracted. In verse 14, Deuteronomy You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are all around you, for the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. And that's what Joshua was telling (coughs) the children of Israel. In Matthew uh, 22 through 37, Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first commandment, and the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. And these two hang all the law and the prophets. Duh. We know we're not supposed to go after other gods, right? Don't, isn't that kind of an evident thing? I was brought up in a Christian home, in a family. We're not supposed to do that. I know... Who does that? We're made to worship, but it's so easy to get off course. I mean, I looked up and the, the word idols is, um, was mentioned in the Bible 121 times, and gods are mentioned 208 times. What may be a god to one person or an idol to one person may not be a god or an idol to another person. And I think of it as, uh, you know, a lot of the things that we have in this life, we can really 
spend too much time and energy thinking about them. I got a, my truck is a work truck. It's a nice truck. I don't spend too much time thinking about how to make it a beauty or how to make it look better, whatever, or does that kind of make sense? I'm not trying to say I'm uh, not idolizing my truck, but uh, some people really like nice trucks or nice cars or whatever. But however, we just don't want to place that above what we place God. An idol can be anything we place ahead of God in our lives and anything that takes God's place in our hearts, such as possessions, careers, relationships, sports, entertainment. A good question for me is what or where do I put my trust? Do I put it in myself? Do I put it in my money? My job? Or where do I put our trust? Um, or what do I love the most? Do I love myself the most? Or do I love my wife the most? Or my job? I mean, it's easy to get kind of sidetracked. Um, or another one is what do we spend the most of our time thinking about? Do we think about? Um, it's kind of a gauge to where our mind is, where our heart is. Or what are, you, what are you consumed or being anxious about? A lot of times, you know, we're thinking about things and we become consumed or we become worried about certain things. It's like, hey, God is there. He's there for you and he's there for me. He wants us to fill our minds and our hearts with him. Is it money or power or influence? Good things of this world are gifts from God. They're meant to be enjoyed with a thankful heart and submission to Him for His glory. But when the gift replaces the giver or the created replaces the creator in our lives, we have fallen into idolatry. So that's kind of my uh, thought this morning. Let's, uh, let's keep our hearts and our minds. Think of that sticky note all over the place. Wherever we go, to remind your family, remind your kids, remind yourself that we're to love our Lord God with all our heart, our mind, our strength, and love our neighbors, ourselves. Let's pray. Let's stand up and we'll have a word of prayer. Father God, I just want to thank you for each one that's come through these doors here to worship and praise your name. Lord, you are worthy, and just want to pray that you'll bless this service. Bless our time together in your name, I pray. Amen. All right. Jim, come on up. I'll pray for you. Bring us the word. Father God, I just want to thank you for Jim and his willingness to uh, be a part of our body and to bring your word here, Lord. Just pray to anoint him. And I just pray for healing in his uh, body as he's dealing with some of this, the treatments and some of the things he's going through. And Lord, if it's your will, just heal that and help him to recover to full strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. How are we doing? Um, I, I feel a, a little bad in some ways uh, in this sense. Uh, last February, when I was here, um, I was like 10 days uh, past a stroke. <laughs> yeah, isn't that fun? Those are, those are, those are really fun to try to get through. And now I'm just like three weeks into this multi-layered treatment of cancer that uh, just kind of exploded and uh, trying to figure out everything about it and uh, going, well, yeah, it's probably time to go country Christian again since uh, I feel like I'm circling the drain again. Um, and then in the midst of that, you, you don't, I mean, too much information, but in, in the midst of that, had a uh, halfway blotched uh, kidney stone surgery that uh, didn't work out and uh, with some other complications. 
So I don't, if, if you're a nurse here today, don't do this, what uh, one nurse said. She just looked at me and said, you're just a walking disaster. I'm going, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> so we, we really, really appreciate your prayers. I, I just want to say, before we jump into the word, I'm so, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for my wife. I, I think, uh, as any of you that have walked through things, I think it's harder on the spouses than it is uh, the person walking through it. And um, the other day, I did ask her. I said, "Hey, babe, do you do you think our relationship is better now that we've been going through all of this?" Uh, and she said, "Yeah." And I said, "Well, how how is it better?" She goes, "You just learn to overlook things." And I'm going, huh. "I've got things you have to overlook." <laughs> What? What, 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 do you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> uh, but it, uh, yeah, I've, I've told people there's, there's no, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. But uh, on the other hand, I wouldn't want to miss the, the lessons that God has in the midst of this. As we trust him, as we have opportunities to share with people that we wouldn't have had before. Uh, sitting in those rooms, getting infusions where... It's just full of people that are, are just uh, have no hope. They, they don't know what's going on. Uh, working with doctors and nurses that are, and many of you have gone through these kinds of things, that are just telling, telling people bad news day after day after day and just trying to infuse the life of Jesus into them in the midst of this has, has been a privilege uh, to share and, and say, hey, you know, we're... We live beyond this. We, we have a God that can walk and, and uh, work with us as we go forward. So uh, I want to say thank you for last time. Uh, let me stand up here, and I feel like I was going to fall over several times because of that, uh, that stroke, getting my balance back. Hopefully it's better. Uh, and thank you for, for this time. Uh, I, <laughs> so this is terrible. I, I'm sorry. This is the way it goes. Um, so I'm on a testosterone suppressant, and uh, somebody cut in front of me the other day in traffic, and and Raylene goes, well, so much for that drug. <laughs> Just, <you> go, <laughs> oh, oh, okay, that's, that's, the, that's the way it goes, but there's just all kinds of emotions, too, that, that uh, all of a sudden I want to go shopping. And just... <laughs> Okay, that's, that's enough. <laughs> um, I want to talk about holy grit today. Holy grit. And grit will be an acronym that we'll be using. But I want to frame it in saying this. I don't think there's anything more important for our culture, our society, and particularly the church, that we have this holy grit that I want to point out through Scripture if, if I, I believe in our day, if the enemy had a mission statement, if he had something, this is what I want to accomplish, his mission statement would be something like this. I, I want everybody to be so stinking soft that they get offended by everything. Does that sound like our society? I want everybody to just walk on eggshells and... And uh, just, you know, I want them to be soft, and I don't want to offend you, and I'm offended by you, and I need you to correct this. And just, he, he just, everybody be so soft, so open-minded that their brains fall out. And that's just, that's not what God wants for us. And we want to see some things through Scripture this morning, because I believe the biggest battleground for what I'm going to frame as grit is in the mind and in the spirit. And God can help us, obviously, through Scripture and what he's doing. But I, So I, I want to say this, too, kind of, uh, before we get into it. Grit is not a survival game. I'm not talking about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm not talking about, you know, just order those bootstraps from Amazon and pull yourself up. I'm talking about an obedience to Jesus Christ. That this grit is spiritual formation as we say, Lord, I'm going to follow you in the path that you're calling me to, and I want your spirit to infuse me with what uh, you're putting in front of me. So just um, a little bit of background about this. So uh, 
I came into a family of, uh, anybody here from Missouri? Uh, Southern Missouri, they're, uh, uh, <laughs> well, let's not talk about that. Um, my, my dad was a professional boxer when he came to Christ, uh, and then he became a logger and uh, began to build churches because there wasn't anything around, and because he built a church, he became a pastor, and so that's, that's what I was raised with, was that background, a bunch of loggers, uh, a bunch of people going through things. And I watched my dad over years just build people and build churches and hang in there in the midst of, of all kinds of stuff. And I just, I, I said, that, you know, there's, there's something there. And I, I couldn't be a logger. So uh, growing up in junior high and high school, I started hanging out with a bunch of cowboys and uh, rodeoing with them and traveling and being with ranchers and working on ranches and, and then uh, met Raylene and come over and met some of you guys as farmers. And uh, somewhere in the midst of that, I, I, I really fell in love with uh, reading about and watching and following endurance athletes. And part of this comes out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul was writing to Timothy And identifying faithful men, and then he used three examples. What were they? The farmer, the soldier, and the athlete. That that sent me into a a deep dive of uh, reading tons of books on soldiers, tons of books on athletes, things that went wrong, things that went right, how they survived. And kind of that all has morphed into... God, this is something that you want for us to to understand is we need to have this holy grit to stand for you, particularly in this day and age that we're in. And that's that's some of the scriptures that I I want us to, to look at. I say holy grit because of this. Just real quick. The holy of holies. I mean, that's where God showed up. That was uh the priest had to have his act together when he went in there or they'd be dragging him out. It was just the pure power and presence of God. There was something uncommon about the Holy of Holies. And then throughout the Old Testament, it began to be sprinkled that the Holy Spirit would come upon certain people and they would do uncommon things. And I just, again, Samson is one of those great examples that said the Spirit began to stir him I think I talked about that a couple of times ago that I was here, that he, he killed all those guys with a, a, the jawbone of a donkey. I, I hope we get to watch that. I would love to see. Why didn't after the first 10 they get a clue? I don't, I don't get that. Uh, somebody's shoving from the back. I don't know what was going on, but the Holy Spirit stirred him and came upon him. And then in the New Testament... We now have this privilege of the Holy Spirit, the uncommon spirit, not like the spirit of the world, the uncommon spirit that lives inside us. And I believe God wants his people to have this uncommon grit to be his people in this day. So let's let's look at this real quick. The G stands for grounded. And if you would, turn to Colossians, would you? Chapter 2. I I love to preach... uh, Verse by verse, we're not going to be able to do that today, but the, every verse has a context. So I'm just going to, we'll be looking at a few different verses, but you have your Bibles, Colossians chapter 2, and just uh, verses 6 and 7 to, to see this, this truth here. Verse 6, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, and received is a very important term in Acts, It means that we brought him in. As you received him, so walk in him. So here's a little bit of that grit. As you received him, walk in him. Rooted and built up in the faith. And established, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So the first thing to have grit, we have to be grounded in the Lord. We have to be grounded in his word. And there's some obedience here that we have to walk out as we do this. It's not just a matter of saying, okay, Lord, I've got this in my head. 
It's a matter of saying, Lord, I've got this in my feet. I've got this in my life. This is what I've received. I am going to do this. I'm going to walk in your way. And as, as you know, as soon as you start pursuing God and walking in his way, there is going to be, uh, there's going to be hurdles. There's going to be different things that are going to come after you because the enemy and his plan is I don't want that person being grounded in the Lord. I want them to be as shifty as the sand in the spring out here in the basin when the winds hit. That's what I want. But here, Paul is saying, listen, receive, walk in that, and then here's some responsibility on our side, be rooted and established. So let me ask you this question. How are you taking care of yourself being rooted and grounded in the Lord? The, the church can help. They can provide things, preach, provide worship. That, but you're responsible for that. You're not responsible necessarily for somebody else. You can walk alongside them and, and encourage them. But I know we've all done that. I wish you were a little bit more rooted. <laughs> haven't, you, haven't you guys said that before to somebody? You just need to be a bit more established. Um, okay, I'm the only one that does that. Uh, but I've got to take care of myself. I'm the one that has to be rooted and established in the Lord so that I'm grounded, that when different things happen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm going, Lord, I'm yours. I trust you. I don't understand this all the way, but Lord, I am yours, and I am grounded in you. At all cost, get grounded in God. It will take care of so many issues in your soul and spirit. The, the R in this grit that I want us to have is resilience. I, I just love resilience. Let's, if you would, turn to John. John chapter 15, just one verse. We're going to come back in another way and, and look at it. But it's such a, a, a beautiful teaching all the way through well, all the way through Scripture, but John 14, 15, and 16. Particularly, though, I want you to see verse 4. We're talking about resilience. Jesus said, abide in me. And that's the word I want to focus on is abide. It's the Greek word remain. Just abide, stay there. It is so closely uh, in, in concept to being uh, grounded. It is just uh, ab- abide in me. And then look what he says, and I in you. We have to take, I love both sides of that. Lord, I'm going to remain in you. But he said, I, I'm going to remain in you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to abide in you as well. Uh, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine Neither can you unless you abide in me. So just remember this word, abide. Remember this word, to remain. And here's what I want to say in this. Um, There are so many times we are um, blown around by stuff and won't remain. We'll remain until until it's inconvenient for us. We'll remain until something new comes along or we'll remain until I don't want to do this anymore. But the grit, the holy grit we need to have is say, Lord, I am going to remain right here. I'm going to remain in this marriage. I'm going to remain in in this mindset of following you. I am going to remain. You're not going to remove me from this case. I am staying here, Lord. I'm remaining in you, what I see is, as, as resilience is this remaining, that, that resilience is persistence and passion. There's both of those. There's this persistence, Lord, I'm going to get through this, and there's, there's some passion for it. Listen, folks, I, I think in the right, balanced way, We as believers in Christ need to be the most passionate people on the face of the earth. Just going, we have got it, folks. Not in a sense of pride, don't do that, that stinks. But in the sense of 
God has changed my life. And he's going to help me go through this. And I've got some persistence and I've got some passion that I want to see you go through this as well. And then be open for what God wants to do. A, a, little, a little side thing here. Just, again, so many things have opened up. Um, I like to read. Uh, and so when this, this whole cancer thing came, I, I found a book called uh, The Emperor of All Maladies. It's a 500-page book uh, on cancer. And Raylene's going, what are you reading that for? And I said, well, I'm kind of into it. Now, you know, whatever I'm into, I want to find out about. Here we go. Did you know cancer is the only cell that is designed to live forever? It's the only cell that is designed to live forever. And this doctor from India writing the book is not a believer at all. And he says, it's really a reflection of who we want to be. I want to live forever. I want to do my way. And that's why some cancers will, will work, work around things. Okay, so had to do this germline testing to find out what, what went wrong. And, you know, we got, we got four boys and uh, wanted to figure this out, of why it just took off so fast and all that good stuff. Uh, so I'm in a conversation with this doctor out of Portland uh, and she's going through all the DNA tests, and here's what showed up, and here's what's going on, and uh, which it was all fine and, and perfect. And she was giving all this explanation, and I just said, you know what? I didn't know really how to break into this conversation. I said, you know what? Uh, my career has been as a theologian. Um, I was trying to act smart. Uh, I said, my, my career has been as a theologian and a pastor uh, for well over 40 years. I said, cancer just reminds me so much of sin. And silent. <laughs> it just went silent. So I thought, okay, I'll just let that set. And then she said, you're speaking my language. I'm trying to figure out God and science. And I don't think there's any way that you can dive into some of this stuff and say that it just all happened. But somehow, God in his economy and what he's doing is just opening up things for us to try to understand who he is and what sin can do in our life and then how he plays that role in our life. There's a, a, a resilience here that says, Lord, I just want what you, I want a passion for your kingdom. I want a passion for what you're doing. I want to be persistent because here's what happens Passion will buy what logic can't afford. We'll say, well, logically, I can't, I can't talk to that person. They won't accept me. But we'll have passion that will say, I, I, can't, I can't do anything else but talk to that person about this. I can't do anything else but walk in faith about this. Lord, give me some passion that we are the most enthusiastic, passionate people that show up in a room saying, we are part of the kingdom of God. We want to help walk with you. We want to help walk through things. I, I, I love what, uh, and, and so I got to watch this too because I can get over to a whole nother message. Um, I got a lot of them in my head today. Uh, West Coast Castle. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's in Ghana, West Africa. It's where... The slaves were held, but before they were shipped from the West Coast over to either England or United States, they were held in this dungeon in the castle. And this the book that I'm reading, this gal was on this tour. And terrible conditions. They were in there for weeks to months. Uh, yes, getting some food, but not cared for and just trauma and dying and disease right up above the, the dungeon below was the chapel the slaves could hear the worship the worship could hear the cries of the slaves but there was a huge disconnect and what she says in this book is that trauma is the mission field of the 21st century. And I so believe that, church. I so believe that. 
I believe that God is calling us. Yes, we need this kind of a gathering here. Isn't this nice? Most of you are smiling today. and I, I, I didn't see anybody punching anybody out when they came in. And, uh, you know, everybody's pretty nice here. And everybody's looking forward to the potluck. And it's, it's all pretty great. But this is not what the church is for. This is a part of it. Very necessary. But we are to be out there in the trauma saying, that need looks terrible. I know that God can fill that need. You look as absolutely miserable. Now, don't walk up and say that to him. You look miserable. You need Jesus. Somehow build those relationships. And we need to have that kind of resilience to say, Lord, I've got this passion for what you're doing. I, I know that you can meet needs, and I want to get right in the middle of it. A faith-filled passion to go forward. So that's resilience. Lord, help us to have, be grounded. Help us to be resilient. The I in grit is integrity. If you would, I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 11. Just a, so many great verses in Proverbs, but this is 11.3. Chapter 11, verse 3. It says this, The integrity of the upright guides them. The integrity of the upright guides them. But the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. That's powerful words. Powerful words. Like I mentioned, we have four sons, one daughter, but three of our sons are engineers. And when they get their friends together and when they're in the house, they're talking about tensile strength and vibration flow and integrity of materials and just all, all kinds of stuff. And our son that's a welder is going, uh, I, I save all you guys anyway when I put it together. So uh, I'm, I'm welding it. But uh, it, it, I, I love hearing them talk about the integrity of, of a bridge or the integrity one of them works for Boeing it wasn't his fault that the door fell off uh, he's he works on the wings so the wings are good the doors may need some help um, uh, but it, it's fun to hear them them talk about about that and how important that integrity is and uh, I'm going that's that's a part of our grit is that we have to have this kind of integrity to know, are, are we going to be upright? Will my integrity guide me? Or will somehow I let some perverseness or crookedness come in there that's going to destroy me, destroy the testimony, destroy who Jesus is? But Lord, I, I want my integrity that who I say I am and what I want to be is the same. It's not two different things. Uh, I, again, with my dad, just he was... He was very passionate, very passionate. Uh, came out of a, a terrible situation uh, when, when the Lord saved him. And what he was on Sunday morning, he, he was during the week. And at, 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 I, I had to warn my friends when they came over. I'm going, well, uh, be ready in the middle of the night. You're going to hear my dad praying. <laughs> And he'll be booming, praying loud, walking around upstairs. So I'm just warning you. And I had a lot of friends come over once. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, what I liked is what I saw on Sunday, I saw on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What I saw in public, I saw in private. What I saw every day with him, I saw every day with him. And I remember going over to another PK's house, another preacher's kid's house, expecting that. And I heard that dad cuss. And I'm going, what in the world? Because that, that was just not my, my world. That was not anything I had ever experienced. And of course, I went right home and tattled on him to my dad. But anyway, that's uh, beside the point. But I, I say, let's, part of the grit that we have to have is to be grounded in Jesus. To be resilient when the winds of life and the, the storms of life blow, that we're going to say, Lord, I, I am here with you. I'm walking with you. I'm going to remain in you. And then have this integrity that we walk forward with. Lord, help us in our integrity. Here's the T, and it is together. 
And that's purposeful community. And here's where the church comes in. And I think it is really important. If you would look in Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. I love this verse. Um, I want you to see something here uh, about integrity, uh, about uh, grit, about being resilient, about us being together with one another. Because we, more than any time, we need each other as we're in, in, in this season. So Paul is writing. He's talking about his particular circumstances. Obviously, there's a context here. Uh, but I want you to read chapter 1 and just verse 19 as Paul um, outlines this. He said, for I know, verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul said, I know that through your prayers. I love that, that, that leading edge of prayer. I love what you guys were doing today. Let, let's pray about this right now. Uh, let's, let's take this situation to the Lord. Uh, one of you said, I believe in prayer, that God answers prayer. Folks, if, if we say that and we believe that we have this incredible uh, life with God of praying that we can bring things to him, don't ever shy back or think prayer is a waste. Paul is going, I know that because there's saints praying, I'm going to get through this. There's, there's something about being in together in this, walking with one another that says, your situation is tough, but I'm going to get in that situation with you and help you pray through this. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to, I'm going to cry. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to ask God. We're going to pray. We believe in prayer. We believe that, that God is, is going forward in the midst of this. Look at the other side of this. And, and I mean, we can spend so much time on prayer. But look what else Paul says here in verse 9, 19. He says, and the help of the Holy Spirit. I love this. This word help is the Greek word epichoreography. Did you hear choreography? That's this word. The choreographer in those days was the one that if they wanted to bring in, let's say, a a drama team or a special philosophy speaker or if they wanted to bring in something to entertain the city, the choreographer is the one that would find the venue He would supply the food. He would pay for the speaker or the dance troupe or the singing group, whatever that might be. That's who a choreographer was. And we get choreography now as the one who supplies all the moves. And I think that's what it is, dance moves, a choreographer, something like that. But then the choreographer is the one that supplied everything. I want to bring this to your city and I'm going to pay for it. That's the word help right here. That through the prayers of the saints and the help, the supply, some of your translations will say supply, by the help of the Holy Spirit, this is going to turn out okay. Why do we need this in grit? Yes, we have to be grounded individually. Yes, we have to learn resilience individually and as a group. Yes, we have to be integrous as individuals and as a group. But we also, God has wired us to be in this together. And that's where some real work and grittiness comes out of saying we are going to walk and work together for the purposes of the kingdom. We're going to be established in who he is and we're going to see what he wants to do as he moves through us. I, I pray that we wouldn't allow our circumstances to, to dictate our holy grit. But instead, we would come back to the word, to prayer, to one another, and say, this is the path that we're going to walk on. This is the endurance that we're going to embrace as we go forward. All right. Uh, I want to I close with this out of Hebrews. And watch the example of Jesus in this. Would you just, just turn to Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses. I, I, I love... I love how this comes about. 
Let me read it. Therefore, since we are surrounded, verse 1, by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And I'm just thinking, babe, that's probably what you were saying. I've got to lay aside everything that Jim's an idiot about because <laughs> we're working on a better marriage. Just lay aside those things. That's what Paul's saying. Lay these things aside uh, and the sin that so easily uh, clings so easily. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If anybody ran with endurance, it was Jesus going through what he did. Even just the, the Passion Week, but everything that built up to that, he ran with endurance. And again, that's why I, uh, I probably spend way too much time listening to podcasts on endurance athletes going, man, that was tough. How did they get through that? Uh, there, there's, they wanted to quit. Their, their bodies were screaming, but yet they... They accomplished it, and they come back, and they did it more. I'm going, Lord, for the that's for, a, like Paul was talking about, that's for just a little wreath. We're talking about having endurance for a, for a crown of glory, for the purpose of the kingdom. So, first of all, what we learn from Jesus here is that he ran with endurance, and you and I need to run with endurance. Your mind will give out first before your body will. Your mind will say, you can't do this. Just sit down with a bag of Doritos. You deserve those Doritos a day today. Just, you've, you, it's been really rough. Just take it easy. Yeah, just smoke another bag of Doritos. It's just fine. <laughs> you know what we have to say? We have to say, shut up. We have to say, that's not what God is calling me to. He's called me to this purpose. And I want to fulfill his purpose. So we have to come back and say, I want to run this with endurance. I I, I want to run it with the, the passion of God in the midst of this. Right? Verse 2. Um, so verse 1, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So not only did he run the race with endurance, he endured the cross and all that is in that. I, I hope at some point, and you probably have, take a deep dive into all that was taking place theologically and physically Uh, emotionally about the cross. He endured that cross. He had some holy grit for you and I to go through this, not only run the race, but endure that cross. He endured it for us. And then it finishes up, look at verse 3, consider him who has endured, here's the third time, endured from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So he ran with endurance. Lord, let us do that. He endured the cross, the purposes that were before him. And I'm just going to say it this way. He endured people. <laughs> the, the, the hostility from others, which sometimes can be the worst, right? Uh, when we started doing what we're doing with Hope Rescue Mission, walking into homeless camps and rescuing them and getting them into hard-sided shelters and, and trying to establish it. There was some businessmen that we moved into a certain part of town and they were just so mad. And uh, One guy just uh, publicly in front of a, a lot of people said, this guy is nothing but a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's, that's what he called me because he's, he's going to ruin our businesses. He's going to ruin the south side of, of Missoula. Um, of course, my mind is weird, so I just howled. No, I, I didn't. I wanted to so bad. And the next time I saw him, I wanted to howl so bad. It, that would have just been fun, wouldn't it? Just, yeah, just howl. Um, 
there's, there's, we got to endure. They just didn't understand. They didn't understand what we're going to do. We're going to have rules and responsibilities. We're moving people forward. But sometimes we just have to endure people. I'm looking at your eyes. Don't look at me surprised like that. Sometimes we just have to endure. This is a part of the grit that God has for us. And Jesus is the one that has led us in the midst of this. Here we go. Remember in John chapter 15, verse 4, we talked about the word remain. That's the word, Greek word, mino. This word here is hupamino. It's that emphasized word of remaining, enduring. I'm going to stay here under this pressure by the grace of God. If we could draw a picture of it, this is a bulldog word. I'm latching on and I'm not letting go. I am going to remain right here. I'm going to endure. And by the grace of God, we're going to have this grit to go through the other side and see God's kingdom purposes prevail. That's it, folks. That's what I'm saying. Let's be the kind of people that God can trust. There's some integrity. I can put weight on them. They are grounded in me. They're not flaky. They've got some resilience. When they get blown around, they are going to pop back. And they're going to do this together by the prayers of the saints and the supply of the Holy Spirit. That's where we want to land today. Holy grit is determined by how you and I handle costly interruptions. Let me say that again. Our grit is determined by how we handle costly interruptions. Things that didn't go our way. Things that were disappointing. Grief, loss, plans are interrupted. Things that you we're working for are, are not happening. That's, that is really the test of our resilience and our grit when those things take place. That we can say, Lord, I will trust you in the midst of this. And I pray that those, uh, those costly interruptions that all of us have to one degree or the other, or will have, will not be a derailment from the things of God, but they will be part of that grit of determination to say, Father, I'm going forward in you. This is what I'd like to do. Would you stand with me as, as we close? Through the prayers of the saints, I just want to read a prayer. I want to read a prayer over you in light of what we have been talking about. And this is Colossians chapter 1. And you've probably prayed it, you've heard it, maybe you've memorized it. But I want you to receive these words. I I want you to take them in as I'm praying and reading this this morning. Here we go. And and I I want you to look around too. Because we're we're in this together. And uh, I love nothing better than looking in your eyes (laughs) as we do this. And so, from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner Worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. 
He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. That prayer blows me away. Lord, I need your patience. I need your endurance. I need to totally understand that you have transferred me from the kingdom I was in, the kingdom of darkness, and you transferred me. You have qualified me that now I can walk in with the saints, not with my head down, full of shame for everything that was in my backpack, but you qualified me that I get this inheritance with you. You called me according to your purposes. You have things for us to do as individuals in a church. And then, Lord, you want to strengthen us for every good work, not with our might, but with your glorious might. Church, let's not live below what God has given to us, but say, Lord, let us have your passion by the Holy Spirit to be your people full of grit, full of wonder, full of enthusiasm, full of crazy love as we go about in this world that is full of trauma and they don't know what to do, so they're trying to be woke and they don't know what that is and they just need the light of the gospel that will come from you and I. That's my passion for the church. I don't care how... Okay, I'm in overtime. Just that one to let you know. <laughs> I don't care how big the building is. I'm past that. I don't care how much smoke and lights and good music and fancy stuff. I'm past that. I was there once. Uh, I I don't I I don't care if you have camels during Easter walking through, or the ascension, Jesus going up. I, I, don't, I don't care. I used to. I don't care if the Christmas program is just perfect. I'm past that. I'm tired of the church being seen as a place for entertainment. I'm tired of the church being seen as a place where we have to have it all perfect. Now, it's, I, I believe in excellence, but not as a sacrifice of saying, God, we want your genuine spirit here moving, building us so that we can go do what we're supposed to do out there and not just walk away saying, wow, wasn't that great and we're really going to try to do it better next week. But say, God, we are your people. We are in the front lines with this holy grit, with your message. Let us carry it out. Let us go into the trauma of this world with the name and the power of Jesus and see lives changed for his glory, strengthened with all power for every good deed. Lord, may it be so. In Jesus' name. Jason.